Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're going to be continuing with the Christ-centered mentoring series, and we're going to be looking at some of the most common pitfalls and mistakes that are made in modern mentoring and how we can avoid those things. It's really easy in our mentoring relationships and our friendships to allow cultural thinking and human wisdom and just the experience of others or our own experience to shape the way we approach mentoring relationships. And when we do that, oftentimes we're not offering someone what their soul really needs. And so we're going to unpack some of the most common mistakes that I've made myself or that I've seen made in modern mentoring and look at the biblical answers, the biblical solutions to avoiding those. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that we have a couple of Christmas specials going on for the Set Apart magazine. If you are not yet a subscriber, this is an amazing, beautiful, spiritually rich resource for women of every age. It appeals to teenagers all the way up to women who are in their older years because it is so based in truth and it's so beautifully designed. There are no ads in it. It's just rich truth that points you to Jesus Christ. Now is a great time to become a subscriber because between now and December 18th, you'll receive a bonus winter issue in the mail right away as part of your subscription. It's a great spiritual boost and encouragement for the holiday season. If you're looking for a great Christmas gift idea for women in your life, we have a four-issue bundle, which includes a year's worth of Set Apart magazine, our most recent issues, issue 33 through 36, for a discounted price. And so that's a great gift to put under the tree on Christmas this year. If you're interested, click the link in this podcast description, or you can go to setapartgirl.com and you'll see links to get to our Christmas specials. So let's talk about avoiding common pitfalls in modern mentoring. I'm going to go through five very common mistakes that we can often make in our mentoring relationships and kind of look at the biblical antidote for those things. One is being buddy-buddy and approaching a mentoring relationship as sort of like this lovable life coach versus really someone who's going to give them solid truth. Another is offering bells and whistles instead of solid truth. Another is falling into this idea that we can't ever allow them to feel conviction. We only just need to shower them with love. Another one is that we can emphasize external rules versus inward transformation. And lastly, we can so easily fall into this idea of conversation and dialogue rather than solid truth, where we lift up Jesus Christ and he is glorified in our conversations. And these trends, if we follow them, lead to sort of a mushy version of offering truth. And usually we don't really give them anything that is going to change their life unless we really get back to the word of God and get back to what it's all about, which is pointing them to Jesus. Let's unpack each of these one by one. The first one is approaching a mentoring relationship with sort of a buddy-buddy mentality. And what I mean by that is there can be this pressure to sort of feel like we have to get down on someone's level and sort of act like, you know, we're wallowing in the mud right along with them and we're struggling with everything that they're struggling with. We don't have any real answers. We're just kind of a mess just like they are. And let's just be buddy-buddy and celebrate the fact that we're both a mess. And that's actually not what a mentoring relationship is supposed to look like. Of course, we're not supposed to come in with this arrogant attitude like I've arrived and you're a mess. But as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He had this humility where he says, I have not already achieved or have already been made perfect, but I press on. And then in another place in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. So we had a confidence. He was headed somewhere. He was aiming towards truth and he's calling people to rise up, come out of their defeat and follow him as he follows Christ. 
He also says in 1 Corinthians 1, 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, preaching is almost looked at as a bad word in modern Christianity. You're not allowed to preach. All you can do is just be a lovable friend and offer some friendly advice. Preaching is just like, whoa, that's just way too extreme. That's way too intense. But it says here that by the foolishness of preaching, that is how people come to the truth. And so oftentimes, even though preaching is viewed as foolish, it's like, no, that's that's not the trendy way to communicate. It's actually a very powerful way of communicating truth. And so often what someone's soul needs is to hear that unadulterated truth spoken plainly to them. If we are constantly trying to be buddy-buddy with someone and always win their favor and always sort of act like, yeah, I'm just kind of down here in the mud with you. I don't have anything figured out, but I'm going to be your buddy along the way. Well, we might win favor and brownie points with that person, but we're not going to offer them anything that will benefit them eternally. It says in Luke 6, 26, woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers do to the false prophets. And when we are just seeking the favor of others, we can lose our focus on pointing them to Jesus Christ. And pretty soon, it's clear that we might have a lot of favor with people. We might have a lot of popularity, but we're actually not leading them to the truth. The goal in mentoring is not to just win brownie points, win favor, and be liked, but to offer someone what their soul truly needs. We need to be willing to share what they need to hear, in love, of course, not just give them what they want to hear. And sometimes that can be hard to do. When you want to just make someone like you, you're not going to be willing to speak that truth at times and to speak bluntly and to ask pointed questions. But we have to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's go somewhere. Let's get out of this mud pit and go up the mountain of the Lord. Let's aim towards that victory that is available to us in Jesus. Now, again, we don't want to come across as prideful or like we've arrived or we have it all figured out. But at the same time, we're not just coming in to be their buddy buddy. We're coming in to give them sort of that fire in their soul, inspire them to rise up to something more. Another pitfall, as I mentioned earlier, is bells and whistles. When we try to shroud the truth with bells and whistles, we can end up watering the truth down. There is such a common mentality today that the only way to really relate to people is to make the truth, kind of sugarcoat the truth with bells and whistles, to try to make it entertaining, to try to make it fun, to try to kind of couch it in entertainment and movies and whatever it is. A lot of times I've heard that women, especially young women, won't listen to truth unless you package it with a lot of fun and entertainment on either side of bringing truth. And I remember when Eric and I spoke to a lot of youth events and college groups when we were touring years and years ago and speaking on godly relationships, a lot of times this was a struggle because we would go into these young adult gatherings and they would say, well, no one's going to sit there and listen to you just speak truth or listen to you preach at them. So they would oftentimes bring in entertainment to try to entice these young people to want to stay. And And one specific story I remember was when we were speaking to a a large youth rally in the Chicago area. And these youth pastors said, you know, your message is like two hours long. And we know that these young people will not sit for two hours and just listen to someone speak about God. So we are going to bring in a rock concert in the middle of your message. We're going to let you speak for like 45 minutes. And then we're going to do like a 30 or 40 minute rock concert. And then we'll let you finish your message was really interesting because they were listening to the truth 
that we were sharing with them. And once the rock concert started, they weren't really interested anymore. They kind of wandered out. They got on their phones. They just kind of, they weren't really paying attention. They were sort of just waiting for it to be over. And that wasn't because the concert was bad necessarily or that the music was bad or boring. There was a lot of bells and whistles. It was lasers and lights and smoke and loud noises. But the thing is, these young people... They can get entertainment anytime they want. They can just pick up their phones and be entertained. They don't need more entertainment. What their souls were crying out for was truth. And so when Eric and I just spoke that truth, they were listening. They were riveted. And in fact, I remember some of the youth pastors saying to us at the end of that event, I've never seen these young people sit for more than five minutes and listen to anything. And these young people, they didn't even want to leave at the end. They, they wanted to stay. They wanted to get on their face and get right with God. They wanted to come and ask us questions. And we were not doing anything that had bells and whistles. We weren't even at that time as polished of speakers as we are now. And so it really wasn't us. It was the truth we were representing. And the fact that we didn't add bells and whistles to it is what impacted these young people. And that is actually true in mentoring relationships as well. Now, it's not always bad to do fun things with those you are mentoring, those you are discipling. But a lot of times when we overemphasize frivolity in entertainment and try to add those bells and whistles to truth, it's only going to distract the other person from coming to grips with what their soul really needs, which is brokenness over sin and a powerful life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Remember, as I said in the beginning of this series, those we are mentoring are in a life or death soul battle for eternity, and we need to take that battle seriously. It's not just about chick flicks and spa parties and shallow entertainment with a little truth mixed in. They are in a life or death battle for truth. Let's take that seriously and bring that truth and not water the truth down with a bunch of bells and whistles. Jesus said in John 12, 32, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. What a powerful statement that when Jesus is lifted up, then people's souls are drawn. There was an evangelist in the early 1900s named R.A. Torrey, and he went to London to hold revival meetings. And he booked the largest venue in London, which was the Royal Albert Hall, and he booked it for a month. Now, even the most popular entertainers in the country could not book that venue for more than a few nights. And so reporters were catching wind of the fact that R.A. Torrey had done this, that he had reserved this hall, and he's going to make a fool of himself because no one's going to come to these revival meetings. And some of the Christians got nervous and they said, you know, you really need to have an opera singer or you need to have like a circus performer come because that's the only way it will draw people. That's the only way people will want to come to these meetings. And that, of course, was the pop culture entertainment of the time. They didn't have rock concerts, then they had opera singers and circus performers. But R.A. Torrey said, no, when we lift high the name of Jesus, that's what is going to draw people to want to come and, and hear. And that was exactly what happened. He and some others preached. They didn't add any bells and whistles to it, but they spoke unadulterated, unwatered down truth. And people would sit there riveted night after night. They packed this place. They even had people standing out in the rain waiting to get into a second service on many of the nights because people's souls were so hungry for truth. And I think that's a really good reminder in our mentoring relationships. A lot of times we feel the pressure, especially if you're mentoring and discipling younger women. It's like, oh, I need to take her shopping and take her to the spa and take her to a movie and let's do this fun thing and that fun thing together. And again, not always bad to do relational things with someone that you're mentoring, but don't feel like you have to be dependent 
dependent on bells and whistles to draw them. It's going to be pointing them to Jesus, the truth of Jesus Christ. Begin to speak to them on a soul level, not just sort of on an emotional or physical level, and you will begin to see true life change happen. The other pitfall is that a lot of times we're afraid with those we're mentoring of allowing them to feel any kind of conviction. We just want to shower them with love, with understanding, and we don't want them to ever feel bad about their sin or feel broken over their sin. Again, that's going back to just telling them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. The mentality goes something like this. You know, the world is putting so much unhealthy pressure on women today. We just need to love and accept and coddle them and make them feel good about themselves. The reality is that feel-good messages that never allow someone to come to that place of a conviction or brokenness over their sin never challenge them beyond where they're at. It's only going to leave them in a state of hopelessness. It's coming face-to-face with their sin and their utter need for a Savior, their utter need for Jesus Christ that is really going to give them hope and set them free. So keep that in mind that conviction is not a bad thing. Now, there is a big difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is a voice of the enemy that says there's no hope for you. You're a mess. You'll always be a mess. God doesn't love you after what you've done. That's the voice of condemnation. We certainly don't want to encourage that voice in someone's life. And sometimes as Christians, if we're really zealous in communicating truth and we're really disgusted over someone's sin, we can fall into that where we are so harsh towards someone that we become that voice of condemnation. We want to be very guarded about that. But leading them to that place where they feel conviction, conviction is that loving, gentle prick of the Spirit of God that says something needs to change. There's a hindrance, a barrier in you, between you and Jesus Christ. That barrier needs to be removed. It's very gentle. It's very hope-filled, but it doesn't allow someone to just stay where they're at. Keep in mind that conviction and convicting messages need to be communicated in a loving, gracious way. And one of the best ways to do this, as I've said before, is share your own story, your own spiritual journey, how God has convicted you and how he has set you free, how he's led you to freedom in these different areas. Or again, by asking them very soul-searching and pointed questions. Remember that today's women are very eager for truth in our soupy world where it's very hard to tell what's right and what's wrong and everything's confusing. They are so hungry for rock solid truth. They're ready for someone to challenge them to that higher standard in a loving way. So many are just waiting for someone to call them away from their sin and say, God has something better for you. And it says in Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. It's a sign of the love of God when we feel convicted over our sin. And so if someone you are mentoring is feeling broken over their sin and convicted, that is actually because of God's amazing love for them that he's allowing them to feel that conviction because he wants to bring them into a place of unhindered fellowship with him conviction is critical to life change. So don't stand in the way of conviction. Don't just speak soft, cushy messages that just shower them with love, love, love without, hey, something in your life needs to change. God loves you too much to leave you like this. Another mistake is that we can tend to emphasize external rules instead of inward transformation. 
As I've said before, studies have shown that I think over 80% now of young people who grew up in the church leave their faith by the time they reach their second or third year in college. And a lot of times that's because they grew up in a church that emphasized external rules. They knew all the right things to say and do, but they never understood inward transformation. They never understood what it meant to be in Christ and have Christ be in them. It wasn't real or personal to them. We have to focus on their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, allowing him to change them from the inside out and not just giving them a formula or a list of rules or a bunch of practicals until their life has truly been changed from the inside out. And it it never will be a formula or a list of rules. A lot of times we can give practicals, but we have to recognize that only Jesus can transform someone from the inside out. And no amount of practical help is going to get them anywhere unless they have that life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, unless they fully surrender their lives to him and he overtakes their life. Jesus says in Matthew 23, 26, blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the copper dish that the outside may be clean also. When we are transformed by Jesus from the inside out, the outward life begins to reflect that. And you don't usually have to constantly remind people, well, you need to not do this and not do that and not do this and not do that. If Jesus has truly transformed them and they're building their lives around him and they understand what it means to have Christ in them, the hope of glory, their outward life is going to reflect that without needing to follow a list of rules. There is such a danger in emphasizing rules over a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is why I believe so many purity commitments fail when it comes to Christian young people today, because they're being taught rules about purity, but they're not being taught the true motive for purity. And that is a a relationship with Jesus Christ. So often when it comes to purity, young people today are committed to a concept, the concept of purity, rather than to the person of Jesus Christ. And any area of righteous living in our life has to be an outflow of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it's going to fall into that category of legalism. And whether people put all their faith in their list of rules and become legalistic that way, or they become so disgusted by the rules that they pull away from Christ altogether, legalism is extremely dangerous. So make sure that you're not emphasizing just external things and practicals without understanding that it has to flow out of inner transformation a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And even as a parent, when I'm discipling my children, I have to remind myself that that is the most important thing. It's very easy for me to want to give my children a bunch of do's and don'ts all the time, and they need those, especially when they're very young and they really don't have that kind of foundation of right and wrong and how to live properly. But as they get older, and even when they are young, the ultimate goal is to fasten them to Jesus Christ, to teach them what it means to have a life-changing relationship with him so his spirit can begin refining them and their motive for righteous living, their motive for right decisions comes from their relationship with Jesus and not just because they have to follow a rule. So keep that in mind in your mentoring relationships. And then another pitfall is this idea that we don't ever speak straightforwardly about truth. We just have conversation and dialogue. That's a very postmodern and very trendy way of approaching mentoring relationships. It's kind of like, well, I'm not really right. You're not right. We just all have our own unique perspective and we'll just kind of sit around and dialogue about it. That's actually a dangerous mentality in a mentoring relationship. You're never going to lead someone to truth if you just sort of share your thoughts as one opinion. You have to 
be able to point them back to the unchanging truth of the word of God and say, this is true. It says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. God's word is true. So if you're just talking about something that doesn't have anything to do with truth, you can offer, this is just my opinion. But when you're talking about the truth of the word of God, it's not just your opinion. You're pointing them to the truth that can set them free. Let truth be your guide in every conversation. Don't just make it about human opinion or human emotion. When you are speaking to today's women, oftentimes, especially with the younger generation, you're going to be speaking to an audience that has a lot of conflicting thoughts in their mind because they have grown up in a postmodern culture, a postmodern generation. So for example, they might believe two conflicting things. Two conflicting beliefs can exist together in the same brain at times. I believe Jesus is the only way to God, but some people can find God through other religions. Well, those are contradictory statements, but in a postmodern culture, that's sort of a normal way of thinking. And so when we just kind of have this dialogue concept, oh, we're just going to converse about our thoughts and our opinions, what the postmodern mind, the postmodern generation really needs is rock solid truth. The biblical solution to postmodern thinking is a renewed mind. It says in Romans 12, 22, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And renewing means a renewal, a renovation, a complete change. So in order to help someone be set free from the postmodern mindset, lies need to be identified and renounced. Truth must be declared and embraced. And so don't just get into this just sort of soupy conversation, but say, what lies are leading you to make those decisions? Let's bring those lies to the surface. Let's renounce them and let's replace them with the truth of God. Be aware of just trying to stroke your own ego in mentoring relationships. And these buddy-buddy dialogue conversations are a great way to do that because it's a popular way of mentoring and people will really like you if you're that way. (laughs) But when you speak truth, sometimes what you say might not be popular. It might not be the way people want to hear it, but their soul is crying out for it. And even though people might balk, even though people might resist, really, if their soul is hungry for truth, it's going to resonate. It's going to hit home. And sometimes the people that I have felt would be the most resistant to that straightforward truth are those that receive it the most enthusiastically, the most quickly, because their souls are truly hungry for it. Again, it's not about popularity. It's about pointing people to Jesus Christ. I remember a story about John Wesley in his ministry. He was so used to being pelted with rotten fruit everywhere he went. People did not like him or the truth that he represented. And one day when he didn't get hit with rotten fruit, he was concerned that he had really lost his edge in speaking truth. And so he got down on his knees and he's like, Lord, show me if I've deviated from just speaking truth and have I compromised in some way. And right at that moment, someone hit him in the head with a rotten piece of fruit. And he got up and went on his way rejoicing because he realized, okay, the world is in disapproval of me. That means I'm doing something right. So it's kind of a very counterculture way of thinking of it. But if everybody loves you and the world loves you and everyone applauds you, you're probably doing something wrong. If people bristle at some of the things you say and do and stand for, as long as you're representing Christ and his nature and how you're doing it, then very likely you're doing something right. I want to finish with one of my favorite quotes from Major Ian Thomas, where he talks about the fact that our job as Christians is not to reflect ourselves, but to reflect Jesus. And it's a great reminder in our mentoring relationships. 
the Christian life can only be explained in terms of Jesus Christ. And if your life as a Christian can still be explained in terms of you, your personality, your willpower, your gift, your talent, your money, your courage, your scholarship, your dedication, your sacrifice, or your anything, then although you may have the Christian life, you are not yet living it. That is such a good reminder for those of us in mentoring relationships. It's not about us. It's not about drawing attention to us. It's not about our own ego. It's not about winning popularity contests. It's about Jesus and him crucified. And if your goal is to reflect Jesus and point others to Jesus, you will be effective in your mentoring relationships. Remember, don't just tell other women what they want to hear. Tell them what they need to hear, even if it costs you something to tell them what they need to hear. Lead them to Jesus with every conversation, with every moment that you spend with them. Make it your goal to reflect him, his nature, his love, and his truth. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into building a Christ-centered life, visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.